I am Molly Wood, host of CNET's Anchor Desk, and I am all alone today on the Buzz Out Loud podcast, which will be my take on Tech News of the Week in five to eight minutes, without Tom Merritt, who is on vacation, and without Brian Cooley, who is one busy, busy special guest, but I think he'll be back on Wednesday. So thanks for those of you who emailed and said that you liked hearing him again. Uh, Brian Cooley, of course, a longtime contributor to CNET Radio. Contributor. He was, he was CNET Radio. Anyway, so on my own today, just me and Veronica. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Support. (laughs) And I'm scared. The big news of the day so far seems to be, and actually thanks to Veronica for the tip on this one, that Apple stock is going through the roof because there are rumors that they're going to partner with Google on some sort of iTunes something. I guess there's this report on thestreet.com saying that somehow Google would offer a version of iTunes on its own site. Yeah, like a web-based version. Yeah, think? exactly. Not not so much a software download, but maybe a web, web-based version. Or maybe a way to search for MP3s without actually running the application. Yeah, which I think would be kind of funny because Apple's so into how easy it is to search for stuff on iTunes Music yeah. Store. But it is potentially, to me, it, it does seem like a natural pairing. And I think this is the response that everyone's having is that Google and Apple should get together because they're both these really kind of strong, quirky brands that people just absolutely adore or don't adore, depending on yeah. <laughs> one way or the other, depending on the news or their feelings about Windows or whatever the case may be. So the most interesting thing about that so far is that if it is indeed legitimate, um, it's benefiting Apple. And if it is not legitimate, it's still benefiting Apple because their stock on a pretty bad stock day is has set an all-time high. Apparently, last week it did on Friday. So we'll see what comes of that. In other Apple news, another big controversy swirling around the net is the uh, iPod royalty question or iPod um, patent question. I don't know if you've heard this story, but it sounds like a Microsoft developer patented uh, basically the iPod user interface, the mm-hmm. software user interface. So when Apple applied for a patent, for its own user interface that it uses in the iPod, it was denied because this Microsoft developer had come along and sneaked his own patent in the door. So, I'm, con- I'm confused. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> Basically, it sounds like that the response from Microsoft was, well, Apple's free to license our, our user interface technology that it's been using on the iPod since the iPod came out. Well, companies do that a lot. They'll license something, but then allow other people to use it. I guess I read yeah. something about that too, but... What's interesting about this, though, is that it's sound, that apparently the Microsoft developer filed the patent for the user interface after the iPod had already been released. Right. So it's good for Apple in the sense that they are extremely unlikely to say, get sued <laughs> by a guy from Microsoft over their own flagship product, which would be, as you can imagine, a total disaster. The bad news, though, as I have interpreted it, is that Apple can't patent its own user interface technology. And if you are a conspiracy theorist, which frankly, this podcast is all about, you might think that it's possible they could just let someone come along and license the technology for what is essentially the iPod user interface for, say, like a penny a year. What I don't understand is why would Apple start production on something without having the patent for the user interface? Right. I don't know. That seems like a huge gaping hole in the plan. (laughs) But it's possible that they didn't think they would need to. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, it, Coming from a company that sues everyone over everything, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll say it. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the world is officially ending. <laughs> Veronica has admitted wrongdoing. Is flaw. it even wrongdoing? Come on. It maybe is a flaw. 
they're hyper, they're hyper litigious, but maybe they need to be apparently mm. considering that people are sneaking around them around behind them and patenting stuff that they've been using. Yeah. It's an interesting story. It's very confusing. It's kind of hard to tell it, what, who, who's in the right and who's in the wrong. It's, a, it's certainly interesting that a Microsoft developer patented this considering that Microsoft does not make an MP3 player. Yeah. But it is also somewhat unclear to me whether he originally patented it as something, as an employee of Microsoft. Hmm. So if, any if of anyone you, has an idea. Yeah, <laughs> if you guys know what the deal is with this, if you could just email us, <laughs> we would certainly love to find out. Because for now, it's just a kind of, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> Two sides against each other thing. It keeps life interesting. Yes, it does. Who would we... Root. Who would? What would we argue about if we didn't have these two Goliaths <laughs> going after each other all the time? Probably more about Google. Speaking of Goliaths <laughs> going after things, the music industry has decided that CD burning is actually the real problem that's costing it all of its money. Duh. Not so much the P2P. Oh, duh. <laughs> well, it's pretty convenient that they've decided that now, considering that now, a bunch of online and music subscription services are starting to make a lot of money for the recording industry, mm-hmm. which I presumably just frees them up to go after people who are rampantly burning CDs. Now, when I first read this, I had visions of them coming after you in your house for <laughs> you know, burning your own music onto CDs or making mixed CDs or whatever, because I don't trust them. You never know what those, who those people are going to sue next. <laughs> Mad dogs. Um, but what they're really talking about is the sort of bulk CD burning that happens where you go to a flea market and there's, you know, 50 million right, of the latest right. 50 cent albums and they're like on a CD with Sharpie written. Well, isn't so, there already software in place? I mean, you can make one copy of a CD and then that's it. Yeah, there is copy. Well, and this is basically brings up the CD copy protection thing that we talked about a couple weeks back where their only recourse is going to be some sort of copy protection so that you can either only burn a certain number of copies, or you can't rip your CD at all, which is kind of the extreme version that is awful. And so I'm right. hoping that their their renewed focus on CD burning won't lead to basically just a total crackdown on fair use, which that is the only way to describe copy protection that doesn't let you rip your digital copies of your own CD. I'm sorry. So, I, you know, I have to, I shouldn't say this, but I think it would not be totally unacceptable for them to say, you can only burn three CDs. I agree. But it's I, very uh, slippery slope. Because I think most people aren't going to go out and burn 500 copies of the new Celine Dion CD. Yeah. You know? But it <laughs> makes sense. Specifically that CD. Yes. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was actually one of the first ones that had the copyright protection on yeah, it back in the true. day. That just popped into mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do not endorse Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I endorse mass burning of her. But I think it makes sense to have, you know, protection enough so that you can burn one copy for yourself right. or your loved one or burn it to or rip it to um, your computer to make a copy. It seems like sacrilege, but at some point that it's just going to, you know, I mean, and those of us who own iPods, for example, we already live with copy protection. It just has to be transparent enough to not interfere with our day to day uses. Right. And I think that is the, the balance that they're going to have to strike but if you're the kind of person that's probably going to make 500 copies of it you're probably doing something wrong yeah well and you're gonna find a way around it right that's the most frustrating thing it's like you know why does it always come back to what the consumer can do when these are the guys out there finding hacks for every 
possible solution that the music industry is going to come up with. So that's the slippery slope part that scares me is that it'll just get worse and worse and worse for us consumers. Mm. Finally. <laughs> What's next? Scary news from the Firefox camp. Firefox market share has slipped in July. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, God. I know. I read a story that said that Firefox market share had slipped like 0.64%. <laughs> they have 80 million downloads. Yeah, it's something like 8% of their 80 million downloads. And Microsoft market share increased by the same amount in the same period. So some people are worried that basically a lot of the news recently about security flaws in Firefox have sent people running back to Internet Microsoft? Explorer. Internet Explorer, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible. I think it's possible that if people think that Firefox is not the answer to every single problem, that they'll go back to what they feel most most comfortable with, even if that problem that even if their comfort zone is totally filled it's with like, holes. Ignore all found solutions for the problem in the first place. Just go back to what you're comfortable right. with. Right. Which is, you know, that's human nature. But I think this eight percent is nothing to panic over. They still have eighty million dollars eighty million downloads. <laughs> and probably more than eighty million dollars, I don't know. Billions and billions. We'll have to ask their for profit subsidiary when they file their appropriate <laughs> SEO paperwork. <laughs> oh jeez. Anyway, that is all the news I have for a today. And thank you to Veronica for being such an excellent guest today oh, on the I podcast. Yay! I'm nervous. Uh, if you have comments or questions about today's podcast or um, answers to the questions that we have raised, please call 1-800-616-CNET. That is um, 26, wait, C-N, yeah, 26... <laughs> Three eight two six three eight one eight hundred six one six two three. Wow, you're good at that. You don't even have a phone in front of you. I just remember it from a lot of conference calls. I just don't pay attention. (laughs) Or email us buzz at cnet.com. Brian Cooley back on Wednesday. Tom Merritt back next week. Yeah.